Welcome to the MPFFU Podcast. The intent and purpose of the MPFFU Podcast is to support the mission to improve wages, working hours, and working conditions for its members. This podcast will disseminate evidence-based relevant information, resources, and strategies. To accomplish this, the MPFFU Podcast will provide reliable, factual, and actionable information that strengthens, empowers, and supports the MPFFU members and locals through United Action. Now our host, Jeff Lassers. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the MPFFU Podcast. I'm Jeff Lassers and I've been a firefighter paramedic with the West Bloomfield Township Fire Department, Local 1721, since 2004. This episode was recorded live at the MPFFU Education Seminar that took place at the Suburban Showplace in Novi, Michigan on May 15, 2023. During that seminar, I took part in emceeing the political action panel discussion. The panel included Matt Saar, the MPFFU President, Scott Bela, the MPFFU Political Action Committee Chair, and Melissa McKinley, who is the MPFFU's lobbyist. During the discussion, the panel members talked about various political issues and how they may impact the MPFFU and its members. This was a fantastic episode that provides a clear and concise description of the current political landscape that will shape the future of Michigan's professional firefighters. This episode is brought to you in part by Fresh Coast Custom Leather Works. The folks over at Fresh Coast create beautiful, custom, handcrafted, American-made leather goods. This Michigan-based company has a great selection of high-quality, customizable products for firefighters, including suspenders, radio straps, radio holsters, chin and glove straps, shields, and passports. Purchase a set of suspenders and get 10% off the rest of your purchase. Visit FreshCoastLeather.com for more details. This episode is also brought to you in part by Arrowhead Behavioral Health, located in Fowlerville, Michigan. Arrowhead Behavioral Health provides specialized trauma therapy services for people of all ages that may be suffering from anxiety, depression, and even PTSD. The Arrowhead team is comprised of culturally competent male and female therapists that offer a variety of therapy options, including EMDR. Arrowhead Behavioral Health accepts a wide range of health insurances. They offer live and virtual visits and have a depth of experience serving first responders and their families. Go to abhtherapymi.com for more information or call them directly at 517-375-8798. Please email us your feedback and tell us what you think about this show or send us ideas for future episodes to mpffupodcast at gmail.com. Also, check out our Instagram account at m.p.f.f.u. And please subscribe to the Michigan Professional Firefighters Union YouTube channel. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Jeff Lassers. I'm with West Bloomfield Fire Department, Local 1721. Been there since 2004. So I'm going to be your host talking to really Matt and Melissa and Scott about what's going on through 2023 and beyond. To start things off, Scott, can you provide us with an overview of the MPFFU Legislative Issues book that everybody's going to get a chance to see today? Really, what is it? Why is it, and who is it designed for? The book is designed, obviously, initially for state elected officials, educate them on our key issues, our priorities in the legislative session. But it also is going to be a great tool for our members and right on down to local elected officials. But first and foremost, the policymakers in Lansing need to know what's important to us. And so this book is going to help keep educating them. Uh, about the issues that are important to us. And then this book is up and running now. We can change it every legislative session and update it um, going forward. When we look at the surrounding states, 
and the number of full-time professional firefighters per 100,000, Michigan is severely lacking. We are about half as many as the surrounding states. And so that's a big issue. That is a problem. So how do we fix some of that? If we jump to page six, kind of two things combined there, the collective bargaining rights under para and mandatory staffing levels. For those that don't know, we used to be able to negotiate at least have a seat at the table for talking about staffing. It was a mandatory subject of bargaining. That went away a number of years ago, lost at the Supreme Court. We are trying to get an amendment in PARA to bring that back to the table so we can at least sit down at the table and move that through the negotiation process. And our lobbyist, Melissa, just updated me. We do have Representative Hosma out of Battle Creek is working on a bill right now to amend PARA to get mandatory subject of bargaining back in the state law. Fantastic. Now, Melissa McKinley, you've been doing this for about 15 years, and 2023 is, you know, showing a lot of changes than in compared to the past. But in your opinion, how does 2023 compare to the last 15 years of your career here? So a lot's happened. When I first started, and I first started representing the Michigan Professional Firefighters Union, I had the great pleasure of working with President Emeritus Paul Huffnagel, and we were coming on the end of the grand home era. And the benefit that we had at that time is, as a Democrat in the leadership office, any of the policies that maybe we did not like from the Republicans or the legislature, I should say, we had a stop measure. And so while we were preparing and hoping for attacks to public at 312 at the time would be staved off because we had that, we didn't know what was coming next. And then, then we had the next eight years, which you all remember under the Snyder era, which was an attack every day. And it was a level of insanity that I think I have my own level of PTSD from in trying to fend off uh, attack after attack after attack. And thankfully, many of you came and stood by our side at the Capitol December after December, trying to ensure that uh, we weren't having your rights taken away. And so I think that's probably the biggest change we've seen is um, over the last four years, we haven't had to stand on uh, the steps of the Capitol every December. We've had the support of a governor again. And now, in 2023, we have the trifecta of Democrats leading the governor's office, the House, and the Senate. And the reason that's important is because historically they are supporters of labor rights and protecting and restoring what was taken away during that terrible period of time under the Snyder administration. Well, thank you. It sounds like things have gone more in a positive trajectory on uh, how much negative energy you got to put out there against what's coming at us. A lot nicer these days. It feels like it. So speaking of which, Matt Starr, you have a long history in your interaction with the MPFFU and IFF. And before becoming the president, you spent time as the political education committee chair. You're finishing up your freshman year as the president, rookie year, however you want to turn that. So same kind of question. How does 2023 compare to years past in your history with the MPFFU? In years past, we've never had a House, Senate, and the governor. Uh, it's been 40 years since we've had something that they were favorable towards us. But in the years past, he will even go one year back just for a perspective on it. When they were doing the 2022-2023 budget, there was things in it that we couldn't do anything with because we didn't control or we didn't have friends that were in the house because they didn't control the appropriations chairs like we now have. So now when we go to Lansing, we get a seat at the table and we get to talk to friends of ours that we supported through our politics. Representative Whitwer and Senator Anthony are both friends to us. So we're able to go in, sit down in the office, say, hey, these are our issues, and be heard. 
I got a, a text message from one of our members and said, hey, volunteers are getting $12 million for equipment in the 2022-2023 budget. And I said, yeah, you know, we didn't have control over that. That was Senator Albert. Senator Albert was a Republican in, chair of, in charge of appropriations. And I conferred back and forth with Melissa. And she's like, we couldn't do anything. We didn't have a seat. No matter who we supported or what we told them they liked, they weren't going to listen to us because we were the union or we were, were labor. Well, now we've come out, we have people that support us. So in 2023, being able to get a seat at the table has changed the trajectory for us in Lansing. We're being heard. And when we need something, we get that seat. So that's how it's changed dramatically for us. So now that you have this opportunity, what do you think the most important issue we will face is in 2023 and in the short term beyond? This whole book is full of issues that we could face. You could, you could go through the book and say, hey, what is it that is going to be the, the topic that's going to hurt us? Is it recruitment and retention? There's a big deal with that. But I think we're starting to fix that. We see that right here with our own union. You guys voted on putting your own dues dollars to help with the recruitment and retention. And that committee has grabbed hold of it and they're pushing out every day. Um, I'm also hearing back from here in Southeastern Michigan, Schoolcraft College or middle of the state, uh, Lansing Community College or Macomb. All of the fire academies are full now. So we are getting people that are interested in the career. The other side of that is the paramedic shortage. So that's an important issue, but I would say it's always gonna be for 2023 and beyond is a sustainable funding model for our municipalities. The revenue sharing. Now we've had a, you know, if you hear the governor speak, she talks about a 28% increase since she's gotten office and that's fantastic. So that's huge, just helping us. So it's always gonna be, for me, it's gonna be sustaining us, is gonna be through that revenue sharing that comes back to the municipalities. Thank you very much. Now to get a lot of things done, President Sar calls upon you, Melissa. Once you receive a directive, what is the first thing you do to get that job done? That's a great question. And each individual circumstance requires a different plan or different path. The first thing is identifying who our champion is going to be in the legislature. And so over time, we have built a number of different champions. You know, just speaking back on the last question and why we weren't able to be successful with $12 million for that equipment grant. Representative Albert was at the time a longtime opponent of anything labor related and first responder related. He was our arch nemesis when it came to pension benefit reform and trying to eliminate public employee benefits and pension benefits. And so, as you can imagine, he was the guy in charge of the overall budget. And so he made it his mission to find ways to mess with us. However, I will say on the flip side of that, we did build relationships amongst some of the Republican members to help prevent it from being worse. And I think we've proved that time and time again, being able to build relationships, number one, and then find the champion who can help deliver the issue through the process, whether it's a policy-related issue or a budget-related item. As President Sarr mentioned, you know, we've built very strong relationships now with the two appropriations chairs in both the House and the Senate. Well, that's huge for the budget request that we are making this session, multiple millions of dollars across the budget. But you need to have those individuals who actually care about our issues. We were talking at lunch to Livonia 
Senator Dana Polhanke, you know, finding someone like that who cares about the local issues when they call, that I can then go and help to begin to craft a strategy to get those pieces of legislation and policy across the finish line. President Saar, your committee members, your executive board, then all would, you know, take the time to educate the legislature, the administration, and, you know, work towards passage of any one piece of policy or budget-related items. And we can list many successes that we've had. While we didn't have success in that $12 million budget, we had success in getting $30 million last year. And that's through some very different ways we were able to advocate and lobby on behalf of the work that you all do. Thank you very much. Now, Matt Sarr, you explained that in the past year, we've had a huge changeover in the House and Senate. That's become more favorable for us, as well as a governor that supports the MPFFU issues. So what do you say to MPFFU members that may not agree to support one of the major parties? Every year around the election time, this comes up, and we would come to you and say, hey, this is who we're supporting based on our labor issues. And the same members that you tell that to say, well, yeah, man, well, what about guns or what about the walls or what about abortion? Those are important to me. And I say, well, that, that's great that they're important to you. I don't endorse on social issues. I endorse on labor issues, the things that are going to protect you, your paycheck, period. We will never be a union that will get involved on social issues. If you want to endorse based on some social issues such as abortion, talk to your pastor or priest. That's who you go to for that. Have that conversation with your wife. But when it comes to labor issues, the MPFF, you always will. As long as I'm here and, and I know the board feels the same way, it's going to be based on labor issues. And that cannot be forgotten. We have a long track record of supporting those that also support us. We don't just endorse Democrats. If you look at our endorsement sheet, it has many Republicans on there. As a matter of fact, uh, the minority leader in the House, Mr. Hall, uh, Representative Hall, was endorsed by the MPFFU. So it, it's not a, just a one way. We put out a questionnaire. We ask you to fill it out and send it back in. If they refuse to send back in a questionnaire, why would we endorse you? We're not going to. And that goes the same for your locals. And you should all be politically involved. Every one of you should be out there talking to the people that affect your careers. You know, I, I believe it was either Secretary Treasurer Lima or Edzo or one of them, and we'll stop getting involved in politics when they stop getting involved in firefighting. And then we have to live by that. We have to. If you're not having that political action, regardless of the party, you're behind. Thank you very much, Matt. Now, Melissa, speaking as a lobbyist, what is the one thing you'd like to see our members get more involved with to help our cause in Lansing? Matt, the e-board, uh, all of our district vice presidents, a lot of members throughout the state are always very active. But there's a lot of general members, even like myself, that could do more to help support what you're trying to do to make more of an impact. Where would you like to see some of us focus some of those efforts? Well, I think this follows up on what President Sarr was just saying. It's one, understanding the impact that these political figures have on your daily existence, the impact that they have on your job, your career, your wage, your benefit, because they do. And it's been on the verge of being taken away until you act. So one, understanding those issues and understanding the impact. Two, trying to build a relationship with them before we actually need them. So it's simple, it doesn't take much. And these legislators love the outreach. 
they love to have somebody that they can pick up the phone and say, hey, we've got this piece of legislation before us. How does it impact you? Because they have thousands of pieces of legislation that come before them every year. And many of them just, they, they don't have a reference guide back to who can I call to just ask a question about this. So I've said this to you many, many times before, but send them an email, pick up the phone, just say, hi, this is who I am. I'm, I'm with this local. I'm, introduce yourself. Invite them to the station for a cup of coffee. They would love that. Invite them for a ride along. They would love that. Many of them will do that. Those are good places to start. When you have a call to action from President Saar, please respond. And I know so many of you who've shown up in Lansing time and time again, it goes so far in helping the work that I do. Well, I am there every day and I know all of these members and I am built that relationship with them so that I can help you. The most important person in this lobby world is you. You're the constituent, you're the voter, you're the hero that they want to support, quite honestly. But we just have to create a little bit of connection between you and them, and it doesn't take much to do that. Thank you very much. Matt Saar, as our president, same question. So Melissa very eloquently stated every point that I would say. She nailed it. So I'd like to take it a little bit of a different direction because she's 100% right. Be involved locally with the politicians. It holds them accountable. How many locals here, I'm going to ask anyways, even though I know everybody's going to raise their hand, have social media footprint? So every, every single local does almost, almost every single local. What are we using that social media for? Are we using it to cheerlead the fire department? Hey, we had a fire. That's awesome. Do we want our, our residents to see that we're out here doing the job and we're doing a great job? Are we using it for the duck rescue? That's great. It gets clicks, gets people coming to your page. That's what we want. We want the traffic. But are we also using it to hold our politicians accountable? Are you even identifiable as a union fire department? When you look at your page, does it say firefighters union or local? Do they know who you are? Or do they think you're just an offshoot of the fire department? Because there's a difference. You have to use it to your advantage. And if you're not, you're not helping. So post all the fires you want, post your stats, do all those things because that lets people know that we're out there doing our job. But also get that picture of that mayor at your kitchen table Get the picture of the state rep shaking hands, passing out hams at Christmas time. Get those pictures, bring them in, make them accountable to you and your members. That's what you can do because once they're there, you got them. They're shaking hands, they're on social media, they're accountable to the fire department because when those issues come up at town hall and city hall, which they will, they now have to answer to you. Now, does it mean that's a done deal? No, absolutely not, but it's one more of that piece of that puzzle. Besides political action and motivating our members, what are some other things that our MPFFU members can do to promote our union and support the overall mission? So to support our union and our overall mission, one, help us with PAC. We need the help. Every day we're getting hit up by different people that want a piece of us and we need you guys to be there to help contribute. $10 a month goes a long way. The second thing was, was be involved, like being here, being at these seminars. When you're getting educated, you're helping move our union forward. You know, we can all sit around and complain and say things are bad, but when you are out networking and talking to other locals, 
you'll realize that, hey, maybe you are the lone wolf. Maybe you aren't doing things correct. Maybe there is a better way to do something. That is one of the most valuable things you can do is be connected. Be involved with the locals that surround you. If you're not doing that and you're not showing up to the things, I'm like, I'm speaking to the wrong crowd right now, right? Because you guys are here. But we want you to go back, talk to your neighbors, talk to the other people on your locals, and get involved. We have over 450 executive board members across the state of our 142 locals. We have about 150 people registered here today. Are we going to be able to capture every single one of our e-boards? No. But it would be nice to have a little bit more of those locals here so we can communicate and network. So if you want to help the MPFFU and promote us and our union, one, get involved. If you're not involved, you're missing out. Thank you, sir. Last question from Melissa. It's hard to believe, but we're rapidly approaching another political season. It's the ever-revolving door of political thing after political thing. So what do you see in the forecast for the next upcoming election cycle? This is a really tough question here, actually. You're right. We are already on the heels of the next election cycle. So uh, especially in Michigan, how we witness what happens with policy and the two-year election cycle that we do have. So our state representatives are elected for two-year terms. In the last election, we voted on a law that extended term limits. So now those legislators can serve in either chamber for up to 12 years, which means these House members have some longer-term incumbency if they choose to stay in the House. But they are up for re-election this next year. Right now, the Democrats have the narrowest of majorities with 56 votes. Republicans have 55. So they have a one-vote majority. They're very, very concerned from the Democratic perspective that they can maintain that majority going into the next year. It's a presidential election. Typically, presidential elections are better for Republicans because of turnout, which means it's likely that, you know, we could see a flip in control in the House, which will make things very challenging when you have split. You have the governor still will remain in office. You'll have the Senate who will finish their remaining two years of their four-year terms but if you had a Republican majority. And that's quite possible given the dynamics. Now, a couple things that are happening in the state that will create maybe a different playing field for everyone involved. Senator Debbie Stabenow has decided to retire, so she will no longer be running. She's been in office for many years now, which now will open up a statewide Senate race. This seat is also really important to the overall federal politics and the control of the U.S. Senate. So there will be a lot of money coming into Michigan to protect that seat. A lot of money from the Democratic side of the aisle. A lot of money from the Republican side, too, who will want to take that seat, which they haven't had in years. But it also opens up another congressional seat because Alyssa Slotkin, congresswoman, who is going to now run for that U.S. Senate seat, will also leave open a very contested seat as well. So why is that all important? Because of the resources that will be coming in to both protect from the top down, which means Democrats are probably going to see a bit of an advantage because of all of the national money coming in, where the Republicans are facing severe challenges in the state because of the implosion of their state party. They really, after this last election, failed in a lot of different ways and created a huge division amongst their network that generally helps to keep 
them from an election standpoint in office. Resource capabilities from revenue to people on the ground, social media, all of the things that come with campaigns. And so they don't have an organization and it's going to be tough to build one in the time that they need to. And it's also going to be more difficult for them because I think the amount of national money that will be coming into the state. However, that all being said, you know, we are a very purpley state and anything is possible, especially with a one seat majority. While the majority has been great in the state of Michigan for the Democrats, it's been very challenging because with one seat, they have to have everybody there at every day of session. They have to get every person to align. And guess what? Just like in previous sessions with the Republicans where they have maybe a more conservative wing than their more moderate wing, you have to try and appease. Well, the Democrats have some very uber progressives that don't always align with the more moderate uh, Democrats, which has made it really hard to get votes on a lot of different things already. So whatever happens, I know the Democrats are hoping to keep control, but push at least to get a couple more seats so they have a little bit cushion and protect it's a toss-up right now to what happens next year. And I know that's not a great answer, but you can see there's a lot of different factors that come into play. And Democrats are doing everything that they can to shore up their base with some significant pieces of policy that they've passed. It's probably been one of the more effective first 100 days of any legislature ever based on the amount of major policy decisions being made. But that all remains to be seen what the wider public wants to do. And I also think the the big wild card in this conversation is who's running for president. Is President Biden going to be able to stick it out through the entirety of this election? Is it former President Trump who is the candidate? All of those things will have a significant role in what happens here in Michigan. Thank you very much for all that detail and things to consider. Uh, And thank you, Matt and Terry and Scott. And as we close out, I want to say it's been a great experience working for the MPFFU since October. I've had nothing but great experiences. My eyes have become more and more open about what is being provided me through my union than prior. I've been in this union since 2004. And like everything else in life, you find out you don't know everything until you get in the mix of it. Like, ooh, I really don't know everything. So uh, I'm learning more and more. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for trusting me to convey the message of the MPFFU in the podcast and beyond. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. That is all for the show today, everybody. Thank you, Matt Sarr, Scott Bela, and Melissa McKinley for joining me on the 15th episode of the MPFFU podcast. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed the show and now have a better understanding of the current political landscape of Michigan and how it may impact Michigan's professional firefighters. Remember, This is a new show and there's always room to improve. So please email us your feedback and tell us what you think about the show or send us ideas for future episodes to mpffupodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram at m.p.f.f.u and subscribe, like, and share all of our content on the Michigan Professional Firefighters Union YouTube channel. Thanks. Have a great day.